Well, hello, CMYK community, and uh, thanks for tuning in today. My name is Matt, and we are in the midst of a series as a community uh, talking through this topic of the Bible and sexuality. Um, This has been a good series so far. So uh, week three, jumping into it. If you're still with us, thanks for tagging along. Thanks for continuing to be a part of this conversation about uh, some things that I think really matter, that we as a community think really matter, and ultimately uh, trying to zoom out on these two topics of the Bible and sexuality and try to understand some things about ourselves, some things about the world, some things about the divine. Ultimately, we'll talk about some things about scripture uh, and how all of those things point towards this topic of sexuality and our interaction with those things. So uh, as I said last week and at the beginning of this whole series, if you haven't listened to the last two weeks, uh, that's okay. Again, there's no test or anything like that, but um, would or last two talks in this series, sorry, I would highly recommend it, just because we're kind of building on some thoughts and ideas uh, that I think where we've been will help uh, not only where we are, but where we're headed as well. If not, by all means, just jump in, and I'm just so glad that you're here. If you're listening to this on the week that we released it, just want to say happy Father's Day to you dads out there in the world. I'm so excited, and um, just to let you know, uh, we're going to be taking a little bit of a pause, a little bit of a break from this series for a couple weeks, because speaking of Father's Day, um, my wife is pregnant. If you have seen her, you know that, and so we've got a baby due any day now, and so I'm going to take a couple weeks, obviously, and spend some time with family and do all of that, and so there's some really, really great things that are coming for the CMYK community with this podcast. I don't want to spoil what's ahead, uh, but just let you know, uh, I'm so excited, uh, some really really, really great voices in our community are going to be sharing some things. And and then after a couple of weeks, we're going to jump back into this series. So this is kind of the midway break, if you will. I don't know why I said that in sportscaster voice, but I did. So today I want to talk about this concept and, and continue on uh, this idea that we started around last week, the concept of the divine and who or what is the divine. And last week, we, we kind of wrestled through this idea that for many of us, we grew up with this idea that God or the divine is something that's out there. It's separate from us out there somewhere. And so much of our spirituality and, and interaction with God or the divine is trying to get God into our lives, these kinds of things. And, and really, uh, there's a, a greater thought, a deeper understanding of trying to wrestle with what is God that other than something that's out there somewhere that God has found is actually, as Paul Tillich says, the ground of all being, that there's a reality in our midst, in this present moment, a depth to who you are, a depth to the world around us. And we are invited to interact with that depth and that beauty, whatever's good, true, and beautiful, and to find those things. And it's in that interaction and in that kind of life that we find ourselves interacting with the divine, with God. So, Moments, again, where we find ourselves in uh, experiencing birth in a family. There's something divine, sacred, significant about that. And it's not like something, other presence entered the room. It's just this understanding, this being present in that moment and seeing the depth, the truth, and the beauty of something that's happening there. Maybe you've seen it in relationships or interactions. Maybe you feel it as a part of who you are. There's something sacred, significant, and divine about who you are and what gets you up in the morning, these kinds of things. And so learning to center ourselves in that is to interact with, relate with, the divine with God, okay? And for many of us, this idea is something that is not only challenging, 
but quickly can be uh, something that uh, we disagree with and we don't really like. And one of the biggest reasons that this is something we don't really like, this idea that God is the ground of all being, is because for many of us, we grew up with this understanding that God, again, is a separate being out there somewhere, and he has established some kind of rule book or set of standards, a law for how we're about to go our lives. And this doesn't work when we start talking about God as the ground of all being, and there's this invitation into the reality of this moment, and that the work of the divine, the work of God is to continually usher us, invite us forward into whatever is good and beautiful and true. And for many of us, there's parts of it that starts to feel like, okay, this doesn't work because there's got to be a law. There's got to be boundaries, right? There's got to be some established order because we have this thing called the Bible that is God's rule book, right? Or is it just this, okay, God is this ground of all being, you know, for some of you, it feels like fruity tooty language. It's like, whoa, cool, bro. You know, do whatever you want. doesn't matter. It's just a free for all. Go for it. <laughs> I don't know what I was being an impression of right now or right there, but I was. So you're welcome. Uh, for some of us, it's like, if, if God is not this, you know, boundary setter, rule bringer, and this is the Bible and do A, B, and C, or else everything is going to go to pot. Um, then the other option is just nihilism. Like, why even Why even bother? None, none of this matters. If God is this ground of all being, that's great and fruity-tooty, but it doesn't matter. And for me, as I've tried to wrestle through these things, particularly when it comes around to this topic of sexuality, this is something that I don't think it's an either-or kind of thing. I think there's a bigger story that's actually happening within Scripture and a bigger story that's actually happening with humanity that we're invited into. What we know and what we see is historically this group of people that we have records, stories, uh, histories of, in some ways, the Jewish people. It's this Old Testament book in the scriptures that we find all of this conversation and all of this debate around this thing known as the law. In other words, God did show up according to the to Jewish stories and scriptures at some point and speak and give some kind of law. In other words, do these things, don't do these things. And to step outside of that law was to step outside the boundaries of God and to find yourself in a place of judgment, in a place of condemnation, a place where God was out to get you. And the law also provided opportunity for you to potentially absolve yourself or to find redemption or grace for yourself because of a choice that you make, whether it's through some kind of religious ritual or sacrifice or coming back to the law. This is what we see. And for many of us, this is what we know as following God. Do these things, don't do these things. If you do something wrong, okay, here's some things that you can do to make yourself right once again. So it's it's fascinating to me that we have this, you know, couple thousand year old story of an ancient people group that this is how they chose to relate to the divine. And in many ways, <laughs> we are still here at, for the bulk part of Christianity doing the same kinds of things, living in the same kinds of interactions that, yeah, we don't sacrifice animals and we don't have a, you know, a dove offering or festivals necessarily to the degree uh, that we see within Jewish culture within the Old Testament, but we still very much, very much interact with the divine on a certain level that we feel like we stepped out of bounds. And so how, how do I make myself right? I'm going to pray, I'm going to go to church, I'm going to read the Bible, I'm going to do something nice, I'm going to you know, give money, whatever it is, try to absolve ourselves and make ourselves feel okay about things. Well, as much as that still is the story, there's actually something different happening within scriptures and within the text. Because yes, you have this Jewish culture and tradition of the law. 
And so much of their life and so much of their interaction with the divine revolved around the law. Get it right, get it right, get it right, or else. And then we have this moment of Christ sacrificing himself on the cross. Again, many of us have heard it. Many of us know what, how the story goes and what's supposed to come out of that. But the early writings and the conversations with the church around this moment of Christ on the cross was an invitation out of the law. Because all of a sudden, there was this conversation around this sacrifice that Christ made was once for all. In other words, there wasn't supposed to be any more of this interaction with the law that we try to figure out and absolve and make ourselves right with God, <clears throat> that we look at this story, this work of Christ on the cross as an invitation to a life outside of that kind of interaction with the divine. And so the word that the early church, the early followers of Christ started bringing to this interaction with God was rather than an interaction around the law, do this or else, all of a sudden this interaction with God because of the story of Christ on the cross, it's now driven by grace. So we see the writings of Paul, chapter three in, in the book of Romans. Romans deals a lot with this concept of grace and trying to wrestle through this thing. In Romans chapter three, starting in verse 21, Paul says this about understanding this new paradigm, this new approach to everything. He says, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, so they're pointing at something, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. In other words, <clears throat> there is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everybody stepped outside of this law, whatever it is. <clears throat> and all, everyone is justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Those are big words, big, big words <clears throat> that we are invited into this interaction with the divine, and we find it through grace. We find it through this work of Christ and choosing to find that. And there is no distinction. This is for everyone that we are invited into this new interaction. So this divine presence and ground of all being is choosing to interact not through the law, not through some set of boundaries of do this or else, but through grace. And what we see, even in the Old Testament, even in this, all of this conversation around this thing called the law, it, this idea of grace, it's what continues to move the story forward, and it's what's always been the case for this God. Grace, grace, grace. What's the foundation of all of this? Grace. What's the divine's first response to whatever's happening? Grace. And for many of us, this is not okay. It's why Christianity continues to go back to some set of laws and ideals, because we've got to have some structure, right? We've got to have some boundaries, right? It just doesn't work. But if grace is the, like, the interaction that this divine being, this ground of all being, has with all of humanity then how are we to find any kind of boundaries? Is it just a free-for-all, like I was joking about earlier? And this is what the early church was wrestling with. Because if the law is no longer this thing that we are judged on, or this thing that is the basis of our interaction with the divine, then <clears throat> what's the boundary? What are the limits? 
<clears throat> and again, the writings of Paul, I think, uh, highlights and point to some things that I find really, really fascinating and important. He's wrestling with this new invitation into something different. And we find him talking about these moments of interacting with people that might believe or think differently than you and how to go about it. Because typically the response to someone that thinks differently than you is to introduce your law, your way of doing things and try to prove, debate them in such a way that it shows that you're right because it's about the law, right? It's about getting it right or wrong. But Paul says this, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23. He says, all things are lawful. <laughs> in other words, it's kind of, it's leaning into that statement that I said earlier. It's a free-for-all. The law does not have the weight or the bearing that it once did on the level of how we interact with the divine or how we interact with each other. All things are lawful. Go for it, Paul says. If you're trying to figure out what's right and what's wrong, go for it. All things are lawful. But, he says, not all things are helpful. Some translations say not all things are beneficial. He goes on and he says, all things are lawful. You, you can do it. It's, it's go for it. Free skate. Everybody on the, on, on the rink, go for it. But not all things build up. In other words, yeah, you can do whatever you want. Go for it. But there is an understanding of the things that you do have an outcome. And those outcomes can be beneficial. They can be good. They can be helpful. Or they can hurt. They can tear down rather than build up. And he continues on and begins to say, Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. That for Paul, this understanding of grace, and this is the basis of all things in our interaction with the divine and our interaction with each other, this is how we find this ground of all being in our world and reality is through grace. The invitation then, or the goal, the target, the point of all of that is for us to find the good, the benefit of not ourselves, but the benefit of the other. That we would be able to have honest conversation about what's good, beneficial, true, and beautiful. And that's where we're to find this thing land. That's what the divine is inviting us forward into. So there's a boundary that's set. And it's not the law of all these, this structure. It's this boundary of the benefit of the other. That's the goal. And that's the point. That's what the divine is inviting us into. See, Paul in this passage in 1 Corinthians 10, I'd, I'd highly recommend you, you check it out and read it if you haven't. It's this debate that, that's happening within the church in Corinth at the time of these meals that are taking place and meat that is being purchased for the meals are being purchased in a market where that meat was potentially used for a sacrifice to an idol. And typically within Jewish tradition and within Jewish law, you don't sit down and eat meat that was used to sacrifice to an idol. It's a no-no. You can't do it. But Paul says, hey, all things are lawful. I could, I could do that. That debate is, no, is, is over. That's not how I'm interacting with the divine anymore as to whether or not I've I, you know, stayed within those kinds of boundaries. But is this a beneficial thing for the other. In other words, Paul goes on to talk about in 1 Corinthians 10 how there are those that are at the meal that would potentially be in a different belief 
than he is, in a different state and place in life than he is. And for him to eat that meat sacrificed to idols has nothing to do with him and his interaction and relationship with the divine, but for them, it could be a detriment. For them, it could hurt. For them, it could not build up. It could actually tear down and bring separation and division. And so Paul says, okay, if that's the case, if this isn't beneficial or good for you, I just won't eat the meat. That's fine. Because this thing, the boundary that's been set is what's beneficial for you, not for me. I find this really, really fascinating because I think, again, within our current state of Christianity and Christian culture within our world and within our country, I, would, I can at least speak to that in the United States of America, There's this tendency, even with this understanding of what's beneficial, if if we've crossed over this, okay, it's no longer about the law, but we're just dealing with what's beneficial, what's good, many times that benefit is actually not for the person outside of you, not for the person that believes or thinks differently than you, like Paul is talking about here. Actually, the benefit that we continue to go after and the benefit that we're seeking is for ourselves what we want and what we desire. And so Paul is really just upsetting. I see through this kind of language and conversation, this understanding of how many of us approach Christianity. No, the goal of this, the whole boundary now is not what's beneficial for me and my place as a middle-class white American. No, my conversation and my work as following the divine is Okay, what's a benefit for those outside of myself? This is the boundary. And so particularly when we look at this topic and issue of sexuality, when I think of or see someone outside of my sexual orientation and where I'm at, if grace is the way that this ground of all being is choosing to interact with humanity, And this is the reality, that it's grace. It's not getting it right or wrong. It's grace for the point of finding the benefit of those outside myself. Are you someone? Am I someone that is able to work towards the benefit of whoever that person is within their sexual orientation? Not trying to get them over to my worldview and my place and my point, whatever that is, but to be someone to see whatever's good and true and beautiful in their life. We talked about it the first week, this reality that we've lived in the last few decades as a country of being uh, a culture that has a tendency to reject, to push away, to belittle, to call someone with a different sexual orientation an abomination before God, to say that there's something inherently wrong and broken and bad about who they are in their sexuality and how they're wired. And we talked honestly about the fruit, the outcome, the lack of benefit, if you will, that that kind of approach has brought about in our world. And I think this is a completely different conversation that Paul is inviting us into to ask, okay, what's actually beneficial for that person? What's actually beneficial for someone that believes or thinks or acts differently than me? And what I believe in what I see fully is that to be someone that listens to someone, that works to embrace someone, that's a benefit for someone outside of myself to create spaces and places where they know that they belong and they're on the same level in the same playing field as anybody else within that space, that they matter and that their voice is significant, that this is a benefit to them. 
that they would know and understand that they are not inherently broken and an abomination from God, but there is something good, true, and beautiful in this divine presence and reality that is found in my life is an invitation for their life as well. And this is our work together to be found in this ground of all being reality that's only inviting us into grace. It's no longer a conversation about what is right and what is wrong and getting all the the details figured out and all your T's crossed and I's dotted. It's now a conversation of what is beneficial for you. To see fruit in someone's life, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, that we move towards that together to find that benefit. That's the target and that's the point of grace. I believe that the story of Christ invites us out of this tension that we live in of trying to figure out all the details and just live, staying awake at night wondering, am I right with God? Did I do that? Was this the wrong thing to say? Was that the right thing to say? Is this so? And all that conversation, that tension goes away and we just know that there's grace. And so we get to wake up and work to see those outside of ourselves and work towards the benefit of the other. So the question is, do you, do you believe that you have space to figure this stuff out? That grace really is the way God is choosing to interact with humanity and not through the law, that the law no longer has the weight that it can in our lives, but it's simply grace. And so go and be a benefit to the other. Or do you believe that you have to have it all down right here and right now? You've got to have it all figured out. And if you don't have it all figured out and you say the wrong thing that God is going to be upset and mad at you, and that you live your life in such a way that when you drove to work that morning and you hit all those red lights and you were late, it was because you thought those bad thoughts and God is punishing you. That the tension that's happening in your home is because of some sin or God is punishing you because of something. Or is there grace for you to simply figure this out? I look throughout the history of the church, theology, and there's been a lot of, you can probably imagine over the last few thousand years, a lot of crazy ideas and thoughts about who God is. There's even a lot of crazy ideas and thoughts about who God is now in our news cycle and culture. But we see that there's moments where people struggled with, or there was deep theology around that Jesus wasn't a human at all. He was only God, or Jesus was only human. He wasn't that much of a God, or Jesus was like this centaur being. He was half man, half God. And, you know, at some point it was split. (laughs) This was the God part. This was the man part. Or that Jesus was both, and we just don't understand it. Like, deep theological things of trying to understand and wrestle with this stuff. And people have been all over the place. There's whole texts like the Gnostic Gospels that communities of faith still choose to revolve around. And with all of these different varied beliefs and thoughts about who God is or who the divine is or who Christ was, all these kinds of things. And it doesn't seem like God is throwing lightning bolts. It doesn't seem like there's this giant movement or activity of the divine to get everybody back in line, but there's always grace. Even within the New Testament text, there's so much language about how Jesus is going to return at any moment, that they really believed in their lifetime Jesus was coming back, and it didn't happen. And there's grace. There's grace to have it 
and to not have it all figured out, that's okay. Because the conversation is not about getting everything right anymore. The conversation is about what's a benefit for the other. There's always this grace and this invitation to move things forward into whatever is good and true and beautiful. So what's in front of you? Like what's, what's the big question mark for you right now? Because I know what it's like. I, I've, I've lived a good chunk of my life wrestling with what's right and what's wrong here. I don't want to do the wrong thing. I don't want to piss off God. I don't want to miss, off this, I don't want to miss out on this opportunity. I don't want to miss out on the blessing of the divine, these kinds of things that we can wrestle with. And just to understand and breathe deep and say, okay, the law, it's no longer the interaction I have with God. And I understand my tendency to go back there, but that's not it anymore. It's grace. It's grace. It's grace. There is this divine presence here and now in this moment. And I'm invited to breathe deep and see and sense that. And now the conversation has changed. What's the benefit for those around me? I think for many of us, this is something that as much as we maybe have even heard about this idea and concept before, these are things that we naturally don't like. And I think we don't like them for a couple of reasons. We don't naturally gravitate towards this ground of all being, dealing grace all the time. And one of them is because of control. We love control. There's something in our humanity that likes to figure out how do we know that we know that we know these things and what kind of game can we play that we know that we're going to see the same outcome every time. This is what the law represents. Do these things and you'll get this reaction. But what we know, the older that we get and the more that we progress as humanity, is that this world is not under our control. (laughs) And so when it comes to our desire to see things in a black and white kind of view, a binary view of things, we understand pretty quickly, no, there's a lot of gray area and a lot of gray space. That this world is not a place to control. And that just when we think we got our grasp on things, something takes a left turn. Something unexpected happens. Humanity is not something that we can control. And some of our most broken times within human history is when we try to kind of buckle down and control others. This doesn't go well. There's a lot of gray space and a lot of area where, where people are a lot of different things and come from a lot of different backgrounds and places and stories and these kinds of things. And grace is this invitation to see that grayness and to enter into it rather than to fight for control and put everybody in some kind of category and box. Sexuality is not a black and white issue. There's a lot of gray space. And whether you're lesbian, gay, bi, transsexual, queer, whatever kind of word you'd bring to it, there's people that really wrestle with sexuality as anything other than a black and white control, put people in these categories kinds of things. But what I believe and what I see is that there is grace for whatever kind of gray area. There is grace for whatever's in front of you. So we work to enter into that and to work towards the benefit of who those people are rather than just trying to control. The second reason I think we don't like this <clears throat> is many is this word reality. I think there's a lot of us that know what it's like to wrestle with dealing in reality. We'd rather distract ourselves, tell ourselves a narrative, than deal with what's really going on. For some, it's not the word reality that they would use, but this word truth. 
And particularly in this conversation of sexuality, many times this idea of grace and truth comes up. And they're kind of put up as polar opposites, that you have grace with, just, you know, being someone of love and embrace and it's okay, we're, you know, and then someone of truth. Just, I'm spitting truth and I'm dropping the mic and this is what it is. And, and it can feel like they're these polar opposites and there's this tension of which one am I going to choose? Am I going to choose grace or am I going to choose truth? And it comes out of texts like in the Gospel of John in his int- introductory marks about who, uh, remarks about who Christ was. He says this, verse 14, he says, And the Word, or Christ, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now, here's what I see that's really important. Grace and truth, they're like the same thing as far as how it's being talked about in this text. And grace and truth, when we talk about this divine presence, this ground of all being, dealing in grace, it's the same thing, that there's a reality present, truth. And whatever that reality is, there's grace. That these two things go hand in hand, that the truth is there is grace, And the grace of the matter is that we can deal in truth. These are not polar opposites. These are two sides to the same coin. And I think we don't necessarily like this God dealing only in grace because many of us don't want to deal in reality. I believe for a long time that many of us have never experienced true grace because we've never experienced truth. (laughs) We've never dealt in the reality of who we are, of our lives, of our health, of our relationships. And we just tell ourselves stories and deal in masks and pretend and create projections of ourselves for others to interact with and deal with rather than who we really are. And grace, this divine presence, is only found when we deal in truth. It's grace and truth. So this invitation is found when we are honest. So to kind of land the plane, just a couple thoughts. First and foremost, some of you might be asking the question, well, so is the law defunct then? Is there anything within scriptures? Is there anything that is any kind of law that we should look at? And I would say, no, the law is not defunct. There's a reality found in the text of scripture that, that is true here and now today that so much of scripture about is about. Things like greed and selfishness, hate, murder, that when we understand these kinds of things, there is a truth and a reality to that, that kind of approach to the world. There's a truth to forgiveness and peace and love, and embrace, like these kinds of things matter, and there's a truth to that. So it's not throwing out all of the scriptures, or throwing out all of the quote-unquote law, if you will. It's understanding there are things there, but that our interaction is not to be found there. Our interaction with the divine is to be found in grace, and ask the question, okay, what's beneficial for those outside of myself? Which leads me to the last thing. So how do we find what's beneficial? If this is the point of grace, if this is the point of the boundary that God has set of what's beneficial for others, how do we find that? Well, a really simple equation. First, you just ask. (laughs) You just find someone. You build relationship with them. You have conversation with them, whether it's a family member or a friend or a coworker or a neighbor or just someone you meet. You ask them, hey, what can I do for you? How can I serve you? How can I help? This is our work 
as followers of Christ. This is what the church has always to be about, this beneficial presence in the world. So this is what we do. What can I do for you? <laughs> so you ask. You don't just assume. You don't just know that you know I, their life better than, than they do. No, you ask. You hear their story. But secondly, I think it's important that we deal in reality. So if we're actually going to be a benefit to someone, again, there has to be this reality, this truth present. And so when it comes to more difficult things like addiction, there's a reality present about addiction that we've got to deal in. And and many times the benefit of someone dealing with some kind of addiction, whatever it is, is not to enable it, but to actually maybe set some kind of boundaries and to set some kind of clear guidelines about this, we can go here, we can't go here. We can, we can you know, interact with this relationship like this, we can't interact like that. Because this, to continue down a path that has been destructive for multiple people, assuming that it's just going to magically, no, no, it's not going to magically get better. No, we've got to deal in reality. There's something here, and so how can we be a benefit? A, a, a relationship that revolves in abuse, same kind of thing. Grace is not just saying it's okay and just coming back to abuse after abuse after abuse after abuse. No, grace is dealing in the reality of this is not benefiting you to be the abuser. And this is obviously not benefiting me. This is not building us up. And so we got to deal in reality. This is not okay. And to take steps towards that for the benefit of them and for the benefit of you. Reality of codependency. The reality of where we are in our mental health, our physical health, whatever it is, you just deal in reality. You ask, and then you deal in reality. And then lastly, I would just say, if you want to do what's beneficial, you understand you might get it wrong. You give, your spa- you give yourself space. Because there might be moments and times where you say the wrong thing, and you do the wrong thing, and your heart of hearts, you desire so strongly to help someone, and it doesn't go well. Okay. Okay. Own up to that. Deal in the reality of that. But then come back to that in the way that would be beneficial for someone to help them. Or maybe separate out of that relationship or out of that you know, interaction because it's not beneficial for you to do that. Just own up to it and realize you might not get it wrong. And the whole thing, it's not broken. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't destroy their life. You didn't destroy your life. This ground of all being is still present. You can breathe deep and sense and know there's grace. There's grace. It's what's always been pulling the story forward, and it's it's going to continue to pull the story forward for your life. So don't get caught in this place of worrying what's the right thing, what's the wrong thing. Just work towards the benefit of what someone might need or want. There's grace. There's grace. There's grace. When it comes to this topic of sexuality, there's grace. Whether you're someone that is wrestling through your own sexuality or you're someone that's wrestling through how to interact with someone that's outside of you in their sexuality, there's grace. Work towards the benefit. Deal in reality. Ask. Hear stories. Listen. And be a part of it. Because that's what this God has always dealt in and with. I love you. And I hope uh, you have an incredible week. And as I said, we'll be back. I'll be back in about three weeks uh, for more of this series. In the meantime, 
man, continue to stay checked in because there's so many good things coming your way in the next couple of weeks. I can't wait for me personally to hear and be a part of them uh, on the level that you typically are a part of them. So as always, thank you so much for choosing to share and uh, just be a part of this conversation with us, talking about it with friends and those around you. Uh, we believe this conversation matters and your voice matters in this conversation. So if there's anything we can do for you, please let us know. We'll talk to you soon.